0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome to the show. How we doing tonight? We had a little snafu. <laughs> Uh, with the scheduling of the show this evening, glad to have you with us, though. Ivy Nation Sports Talk is up and running. I accidentally, when I scheduled the live stream, I accidentally, I think it was by default, like said, 7.05, and I forgot to change it to 6 o'clock. So, you know, we caught it just before the show was getting ready to start. So, we are here, we are up, up and running, and we're nine days away from Notre Dame. And Ohio State, baby, how you feeling about that right now? Um, I'll I'll kind of fill you in as we go uh, about how today's show is going to go. It's going to be a little bit different. Uh, Final media viewing of practice this afternoon over at Notre Dame that we will get before the season. So really, it's the last media viewing of practice that we're going to get until either Notre Dame goes to a bowl game or spring practice. Next year, you know, one of those two things. That's the next time we'll actually get to watch a practice. So um, the big thing today and yesterday as well, cornerback Cam Hart, who we talked about, minor injury. He was out of practice. I guess that would have been Monday. He was back at practice yesterday. So I break up a pass, excuse me, uh, going through some position drills at the start of practice or uh, right before we left practice yesterday. Uh he broke up a pass and in you know, a in a one-on-one drill at the end of the media availability that we had yesterday. So, you know, he looked like he was moving around really well. So that is great news. And he was back out there once again today. I know Vigo. I am very sorry. I uh you know, like I said, I uh I, I had a I had a little glitch in my giddy up today, uh getting this the show scheduled. I scheduled it an hour later than we usually do and and Hey, we're here. That's all that matters right now, right? So, hey, by the way, speaking of, we've got a new show coming up for you this Saturday morning. Mentioned it a little bit yesterday. IB Countdown to Kickoff. We're going to be on every Saturday morning for about two hours, starting at 10 a.m. this Saturday during the college football season. So Vince and I are going to uh, start it this Saturday. We'll uh, make for you know some season predictions and all that kind of stuff. For the Fighting Irish, kind of preview the college football season, as well as for Notre Dame, you know, take a look at some of the top games around the nation and all that kind of stuff. So, join us starting this Saturday, ten o'clock this Saturday morning. Irish breakdown on the Irish breakdown channel. IB countdown to kickoff. We've got that coming up, and we'll be doing it at ten o'clock live every Saturday morning uh, throughout the college football season. So, we'll be doing it that you know it then, no matter. What? Thank you very much, Anthony. He says he loves the show no matter what time it starts. Usually we start on time. See, that's what happens. I didn't do a show yesterday. I was over at practice. Brian did the special commitment show, and it's like I take one day off, and I don't, don't even know how to schedule a show anymore when I come back. But uh, hey, if you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll be alerted whenever there's a live show, and hopefully have we have the right time most of the time. Smash the like button in the meantime. Rate, review, comment, all that good stuff to help out Irish Breakdown. So, uh, again, IB Countdown to kickoff, 10 o'clock Saturday mornings throughout the season, starting with this Saturday. We will be here. uh, Brian will be jumping in for a little bit with us as well. It'll mostly be Vince and I, but Brian will always be on with us on Saturdays for um, a segment or two as well. So, going to do things a little bit differently Today we've uh, I've got two guys with me Jesse and I are going to start it up and then Bobby's going to join me here in a little bit for rapid fire so we're breaking it up just a little bit today and uh, let's just get going and and bring in Jesse and and uh, we've you know we've got some breakdown stuff to talk about right now well we didn't have a show yesterday because of the recruiting commitment the Irish got and i um, you know, he had to get his Notre Dame football fix, Jesse did, so he's with me here today. How are we doing today, Jesse?
2: I'm doing good. It's Thursday, uh, Friday eve, payday eve. Uh, have a work <laughs> All of the, the above? Hour. Yeah, so there's a lot of things uh, working in my favor. It's been a tough week work-wise, working on a project that's really not a lot of fun, but sometimes you just got to get through it. So. gotta grind it gotta grind it that's right <laughs> no just one else like wanted it. to do it but here here i am grinding away on it so
1: someone has to someone well has to. just nine days to go we got to grind through these next days till we get to notre dame and ohio state but in the meantime we're gonna do um a little notre dame ohio state you know a little bit little little bit early let's just let's just start with this what is one thing that you're most confident in with Notre Dame going into that game next week?
2: You know, the thing that I'm most confident in is that Marcus Freeman is going to have this team mentally uh, and physically prepared to play this game to the highest ability. I think we're going to see a Notre Dame team uh, come out there with a known game plan and with a different mentality. I think that's the big thing that Freeman's been, you know, installing ever since he got here um, and throughout camp is the mentality that he wants his players to play with. I think we're going to see that really hold true. You know, X's and O's, uh, I don't know how, you know, how they're necessarily going to stack up exactly against Ohio State. Yes, we all know Ohio State has a really good offense. I would say Notre Dame could, you know, take the advantage defensively wise. Um, and it's just going to be a matter of if Notre Dame can keep up offensively. But I think Notre Dame is going to come in like very well disciplined. They're not going to commit a lot of penalties. And they're going to play really hard and they're going to play with the mentality that you know, you have to beat us just because it's Ohio state and they're in Columbus. That's not going to affect them. Marcus Freeman is going to have them, you know, like I said, mentally prepared that this is just another football game. You know, they're yes, they're playing Ohio state, but they're going to be prepared uh, to play a really good football team. And like I said, I don't know necessarily how X's and O's are going to be, but I think the thing I'm most confident about is Marcus Freeman having his players uh, prepared to play in a way that I don't think we've seen Notre Dame play uh, in the past. Yes. Brian Kelly was a good coach and yes, he won games. But I don't think he'll has. He didn't. I don't think uh, he had his teams prepared to the level that Notre Dame, you know, this Notre Dame team will. I think they're going to come out and execute at a high level. I think they're going to execute uh, in in a way that is, you know, we're not going to back down. I think they're going to be very physical in the trenches. I think that's just part of, you know, going back to what I was saying, Freeman's mentality and the way he wants to play football. games. very mentally uh, dominating as well as very physically dominating throughout the entire game.
3: Trade Coffee sent us two new flavors after my wife filled out their quiz. Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York City and Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. The Black Velvet was a dark roast with a note of burnt sugar, graham cracker, and malted milk balls. It was a very rich but smooth flavor that reminded her a bit of her favorite dessert, creme brulee. The Big City French Roast was also a dark roast, which is right up my wife's alley. And it was flavored with burnt sugar, baking chocolate, and roasted almonds. The smell in the kitchen while she was preparing a cup of coffee put a smile on my face, and she said the taste was even better and sweeter. And she didn't pick these flavors. They were chosen by trade after she filled out a short quiz. you got to give this a try. And Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best-tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, They'll take your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping and handling when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: We got to talk to Michael Mayer yesterday after practice and he was asked about going into Ohio Stadium and the noise and the you know all that different stuff and you know if he'd been there for a game and all these different things and he's like I don't care about any of that. He said, you know, when I get on the field, I don't hear any of that, that crowd noise. None of that stuff affects me at all. You know, I, I could be playing anywhere and it doesn't matter. I'm just out there playing football. I wonder. You know you haven't played in a in a stadium that big but like do you think most people most football players feel that way or do you you know do you think that there is impact overall or some is gonna gonna feel that crowd noise in the environment maybe more than others do you think when they go in there
2: yeah i think it's it it can be a factor i won't lie i think the biggest time you see that is when you first step on the field you know you you see the fans you're going through warm-ups you you feel kind of like the the, the the dauntingness of the, you know, the field and the, the environment on you. But once the game starts, it, everything kind of just goes black. You know, you, you're so hyper-focused on your keys and your reads and everything else going on, you know, on the actual field of play that you kind of have tunnel vision and you, you block out kind of everything else that's going around in the stadium. And I think that's a lot easier for a guy like Michael Mayer just because he's older, he's played since he was a freshman, He's played at a high level since he's been a freshman. But I don't think it'll be as easy for some of these freshmen, you know, or maybe, you know, redshirt freshmen or, you know, redshirt sophomores that haven't necessarily played as much. That's where it's going to be hard because this is their first potential, you know, first college game as a starter. And you're going into a big stadium like the shoe uh, against a high opponent. It's easy to say that those things can be accomplished. But when you actually have to do it for the first time, I think you'll see a little bit uh of a lag kind of in that respect but for for guys like Michael Mayer some of the more experienced you know Foskey uh Bertrand those kind of guys it's going to be kind of second nature for them it's it's easy to kind of put the blinders on and just focus on football once you're on the field and the game has has started
1: here's the thing i'm most confident in right now now it's not necessarily what i'm most confident in but i'm very confident that Notre Dame is going to run the ball much better than they ran the ball last year. It was a major issue last year, only 4.1 yards per carry and a little over 143 yards per game. We've talked about these running backs. We're going to talk about some of these backs and something else that we're going to talk about more in the passing game here in a minute. But we've talked about these running backs. I really like what they bring them, like Audric Estime, has been so impressive that I think you could see a lot of him in the backfield, even with Chris Tyree on the field at the same time. And again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But this offensive line, man, and Harry hestan and just the attitude that they have, technically, they are so much better. You know, and again, I, I realize that, it, you know, the same eyes can, can look at some of these practices, and we've only got two full practices to see anything that is pseudo. We didn't get to see... The live scrimmage, but I think between the vast improvement you're going to see in this offensive line and Tyler Buckner out there full time and the threat of what he can do, you know, with 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 the RPOs and just just everything else, I think you're going to see a vastly improved rushing game this season. And in games like this, uh, you know, Ohio State, I think that's going to matter quite a bit. Ohio State, Clemson, USC. BYU, you know teams that at least theoretically should have the, some of the some of the top defenses. Notre Dame is going to see it's going to matter quite a bit, I think, this season. So that's something I'm very confident in.
2: Yeah, and just kind of piggybacking off some good points you made there, I, I am very confident that Notre Dame is one going to establish the run game. And I think what you were saying against these big opponents like Ohio State, where their offense can score at any second, you have to control the tempo as best as possible, and that starts with a, you know with a, a good run game and I another thing I'm very confident about is that Notre Dame is going to try to exert their dominance in the trenches you talked about how they have a very good offensive line I think this, the same goes for their defensive line and I'm a big proponent of if you can control the trenches your offensive line your defensive line and you can out physical some teams and have that mental edge that's going to very much help them so if they can control the run game they can use their physical dominance in the trenches I think that slows down the game and allows it to not possibly get out of hand because Ohio state is going to hit a big play. They have athletes, they have, you know, studs, they have a good, you know, offensive game plan. A big play is going to happen. It's just a matter of, will they let that that big play have a domino effect throughout the rest of the game, which they can't, they have to be mentally tough enough to say, okay, that was one play. Now let's come back out and let's have a drive of our own. Let's have a 12, 13 play drive or we're, you know, Grinding out some run plays for six or seven plays, but we're also hitting some pass plays when we need to. I think what you were saying, I think if the Notre Dame is going to have success this year and against Ohio State, they're going to have to establish some sort of run game uh, early and often.
1: All right. What's your biggest concern right now? Again, with nine days to go until the opener, biggest concern you've got with Notre Dame?
2: My biggest concern is when they are forced into passing downs, or they need to get a big chunk of yards through the passing game. Can they consistently do that? Can they make the play? Can Buckner and his wide receiver corps make the play when the when you know when teams know you're going to be passing, or you're in a heavily favored passing down? Can they get the job done? Can Buckner hit you know an important eight you know eight yard out route, or eight eight yard curl route, or eight yard post route, whatever it might be? to get a third and long or, you know, a second and long, so they can get a manageable third and short. I think it's very crucial uh, that they are able to execute. Like I said, when teams know they have to pass, I think that's the biggest question. Can they consistently get those chunk plays uh, out of the passing game when they need to? I, I, You know, again,
1: just based on what we've seen at practice, uh, I'm more confident in that than I was a month ago. I'll say that for sure. But I think that, that, you know, again, it's like, there's, a difference between practice and for real when when you're seeing a defense for the first time and they surprise you with a blitz or different coverage that you weren't expecting especially when you are a young quarterback but yeah i mean i I think that's legit concern for sure and like as i spin it you know if i'm just looking at this ohio state game biggest biggest concern on the defense for me is just what's going to happen in that biggest concern on the team is the corners, you know, the say, you know, the, the, the secondary, the safeties I'm, you know, I'm very confident in, but it's still, you know, like Cam Hart, Tariq Bracey, we know it's there. Clarence Lewis is the, you know, is, is the question that has to be answered, especially when you're looking at Jackson Smith and Jeeva and his over 1600 yards that he had last year. And then you throw in Marvin Harrison Jr. and Julian Fleming and you know CJ Stroud only threw 6 interceptions last year and completed 72% of his passes. By and large, I think that secondary is going to be better than you know, nine, basically 9 of the 12 teams that they probably play this season. It's it's again, it comes down to the three biggest games on the schedule, how's that secondary going to hold up in those games and and that is that is my biggest concern right now.
2: Yeah, I think it's, you know, uh, equally, you could say that the wide receivers and their counterparts, the corners are kind of going to be, you know, the backbone of how far this team will go this season. Can the wide receivers provide enough production on offense and defensively can the corners provide enough to get off the field in certain situations? And I mean, you, you talked about kind of what those wide receivers for Ohio State did last year. Look at that bowl game that they played. They, you know, it looked like that offense was the same offense, and their two wide re- two NFL wide receivers sat out that game, and they didn't yep. miss a step. You know, those guys were still tearing it up. Marvin Harris Jr. Um, and and Juba, or I know I, I butchered his name wrong there. And Juba, uh, sorry. <laughs> you know, those guys had incredible games. So it's it's going to be tough. Those guys, I know they can do it. You know, those wide receivers at Ohio State have proven to be good over the years. Um, And yeah, that's going to be a big question mark going into the game is can those corners slow down uh, those great running backs or sorry, wide receivers.
1: Okay. So I wanted to kind of flip something to you today because we're likely to see a ton of different personnel groupings from the fighting Irish. Like if we flip back around from the fighting Irish offense this season. So let's go back to your time as a middle linebacker look how some and kind of take a look at how some different groupings could force you to have to move your defensive personnel around so your Notre Dame now let's say you've got 21 personnel on the field so that's two running backs one tight end out there let's go more specific so you've got Audric Estime in the backfield Chris Tyree in the slot Michael Mayer is out you've got two receivers out as well so how do you how do you how are you moving the personnel around when you've got 21 personnel one running back in the backfield and one out in the formation with the tight end also out there where where are you shifting everyone where's the coverage got to go and now again remember michael mayer is a big part of this
2: yeah so when you're in 21 personnel like you talked about you got two running backs and one tight end you know this that's a very kind of broad uh just you know start with because you could go i formation you could split your running back out in the slot like you were talking about you can put your tight end on the line of scrimmage you can put him off the line of scrimmage and split him out uh so you know when we're talking a, a, a tight end split out you got you know you got your two wide receivers at the top and bottom you got a wide you know the running back in the slot next underneath your wide receiver on one side you're going to have your tight end split out underneath your wide receiver on the other side what that does defensively is when you have a tight end that is you know split out your your strong safety now kind of has to walk down and then your linebacker when he's in the slot that's going to that's going to knock out his alignment or bump out his alignment because he's going to have to get a hand on that tight end. What, you know, what, what we're going to call a reroute here is you got to get a hand on that tight end in, in the passing situation, because that gives your strong safety that split second kind of, you know, sometimes recover slash diagnose the route that's going on. So right. as a linebacker, you're going to have to be split out, you know, and that's assuming one, that it's a pass play, you know, first you got to diagnose run or pass. So you're split out, you know farther away from the box and now you know say that say a run play does happen you got to get yourself back into the action quickly in the run box but if you see a pass you still have to be able to get out there in time like i said to get your hands on the tight end a little bit and and drop into into some coverage and help your your strong safety out and that you know that's that's generally on the tight end side. when we're talking on the running back side another again you're going to have to split your alignment out just a little bit farther, you know, just in case, you know, if that if that number one ride receiver goes on a streak and, and that running back just runs a five yard out, that linebacker has got to get to him in, in, in that underneath zone. So it's really, you know, 21 personnel can really play to an advantage when you have a running back and a tight end that are good at catching the ball and that are quick. And that is something that Notre Dame has both of Tyree is very quick. He has good hands. He's shown that he can pass the ball. We all know Michael Mayer is good. He's one of the best tight ends, you know, in college football. So when you split those guys out on 21 personnel, you're going to have to force those outside linebackers out a little bit. You know, most of the time you kind of split the difference with the end guy, your tackle, and your tight end. And then that way you can play the run and pass at the same time. But the most crucial part when those guys split out out there is you have to get hands on them as a linebacker. If you don't get hands on them, it's going to put your safeties in a bind and make their job a lot harder.
1: Yeah, I mean, Ohio State, their linebackers um, struggled, you know, liability probably of their defense last year. We'll we'll see how much Jim Knowles can improve that uh, this year. Do you think that there is any benefit to Knowles? Now, Knowles did not coach for Oklahoma State in the Fiesta, but that was his defense, obviously, Oklahoma State was using. That was the last game. Notre Dame played for you know so from their perspective is there any benefit to that you know seeing things how Notre Dame did things last year or are all bets off because now you don't have a statue for a quarterback you've got Tyler Buckner back there
2: yeah I think kind of things are a little because you have improved offensive line play you know you got linemen who are going to stick it to these defensive linemen give your quarterback more time and now it's to add or another positive in that is you have a mobile quarterback so one you, you're going to have your quarterback's going to have more time, and he's going to have more of an ability to escape the pocket or kind of move around in the pocket compared to last year. I think the only advantage, you know, there's no advantage. I don't think to Notre Dame because you know Knowles. Yes, it, it's his defense, but I was reading something the other day, and this is what you know. This was uh, when Freeman was talking about Al Golden. I I, I would like to believe that Knowles is going to come into Ohio State and build his defense around kind of the personnel that he has. So I don't think right. it's gonna be exactly the same as Oklahoma State. He's gonna, you know, design it in a way that kind of limits their weaknesses um, and, and really tries to bolster their, the, that they do well. Um, and then offensively, you know, Notre Dame doesn't, Notre Dame's not gonna look the same as what they did last year. So I don't think that, I think that benefits them because Knowles, yes, there's tape out there and it, it is against the team that he played against and his defense. It's not going to be the same offense that Notre Dame runs this year. Um, and so I think, you know, those things kind of negate each other. I don't think that there's a real big upside uh, to Knowles being at Oklahoma State last year just because of the changes that we're seeing from Notre Dame offensively and then, you know, the changes that Knowles will have to implement to adapt to his personnel at Ohio State. Now what if it's that same 21 personnel we were just
1: talking about but now you've got an empty backfield? Any Any big difference there or, you know, any – you know, again, like as it shifts to the defense, what does the focus become?
2: You know, when you go anti-backfield, you're really eliminating – you can only <laughs> – there's really only a couple run plays you can do out of that. Obviously, a motion man, you could run some jet sweeps or some end arounds or kind of, you know, some fly, some fly run plays on the outside. You're, you're probably not going to run a quarterback draw or quarterback power per se. And so when you have, you know, empty backfield 21 personnel – That really, you only have to have one linebacker kind of in the, truly in the box. He's going to be over the center, probably, you know, kind of head up, probably more or less a spy on the quarterback, to be honest with you. He's going to drop in what's called the hole in in a pass play, just is really just kind of straight back over the middle of the field. But your, your linebackers on an empty set, that's just more that they're going to split themselves out wide. You're going to see them kind of on the outside shade of the tackle more, or, you know, the more you go, the the more running backs you take out of the the backfield and you put out on the boundary. That just takes your linebackers and pushes them outwards as well. So I think you'll see you would see a lot of that. You, you have to cover, you know, make up for that ground because it is hard for linebackers to cover, you know, these fast running backs on a dime. space they've got
1: to defend, right?
2: Yeah, That's more space you got to defend, and you know, obviously, I don't know what coverage you'd be in, and you can run different things, but. You know, maybe there's a coverage where a linebacker has to, you know, be man on man on that running back. So it just gives him a little bit of extra help, a couple more steps by widening his splits out a little bit with the empty backfield.
1: Okay, so that's 21 person two backs, one tight end. Let's go to 12. So now you've got Michael Mayer, obviously, out there. I mean, that's pretty much a given. It's like if you're going to have multiple tight ends, <laughs> Michael Mayer is going to be one of them. But you got Mayer and then either Kevin Bauman or Eli Raridan out there. You've got, let's say, Logan Diggs in the backfield, plus two receivers out there on the field. So what 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 are we looking at now?
2: I think a lot of 12 personnel, like you were saying, one running back, two tight ends. Linebackers are going to have to really, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to be in more tighter because you have these, t- these tight ends in the box, you know, on both sides. Um, and you're going to see more power run schemes in these kind of situations or maybe more play action off of, this kind of personnel and the linebackers have to be scooted into the point where once again, they can play run because you have, you know, two, two down tight ends. So you're going to obviously be looking at a, in in the run game, a power scheme. So you got to be inside enough that you can help out and get underneath the tackle, you know, if you need to. Um, But also still, like I said prior, if it is a a pass play, you're going to have to get hands on the tight end. And that free safety is going to be walked down a little bit. He's not going to be, you know, you know, he's not going to be at the same depth as the strong safety the free safety is going to be walked down a little bit and shaded outside of the tight end and so you can kind of bracket the tight end in that situation when you have the linebacker inside the tight end inside the box and your free safety is walked down on the outside of the of the tight end so now you have him bracketed you know wherever he wants to go it's almost bracketed um in a sense and i think a big thing to look at in 12 personnel or any two personnel you have two tight ends on the field scrimmage you can motion him across the formation and really use him to maybe dig out a defensive, a defensive end, or maybe lead up the hole uh in a power run scheme. So that's a big thing you have to look at too at linebacker is you gotta make you got to follow and, and for the viewers out there, listeners out there, anytime you see an H back or or you know a, a tight end kind of off the line of scrimmage and you know it's run play, follow that H back because I guarantee you 90% of the time he'll tell you where that run play is going to go if he if he motions if he goes across the formation it's likely the running back's going to be following you know behind him up the hole or like i was saying it's it's just like
1: tommy tremble a couple of years ago
2: right (laughs) they're going to use him to dig out players follow that h back and he will take you to the where that run play is going to go 90 percent of the time obviously you know there's some plays where they use decoy maybe a counter where that you know the tight end comes across but they counter back with the running back but that that h back is really, you know, two personnel is really going to provide a lot more power running schemes, a lot more play action schemes. Um, and you're going to see, you know, more physical play in, in those kind of personnel. So that, I think, works really well to Notre Dame's favor because Michael Mayer can catch the ball, and, yes, he can pass the ball. Um, and when you start running the game, then you're in two personnel and you play action, now you got two big bodies mis- mismatched against, you know, whoever might be, a free safety a strong safety, a linebacker. It's Someone's going to have the advantage when you have two big bodies on the field like that.
1: Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, again, it's like we're going to see so many different personnel groupings, I think, from Tommy Reese in this offense this year. And we've seen some of them out there in practice. Like, you know, we saw just last week, and what kind of got me thinking on this is we saw both Estime and Tyree not just on the field at the same time, but there were, you know, a handful of times where neither one of them was in the backfield. They were both split out, you know? So it's just, I think that there are because of how, you know, they're not just going to rely on wide receivers in the passing game, some of it by necessity, but also because they have these strengths with these other position groups. I just think that, that it, it, is going to uh, force so many different mismatches like you're talking about for, for opposing defenses. And I think that that's going to be especially key in a game like this, Ohio State, to open up the season when, you know, again, like you saw some inklings of what this offense could be, I guess, in the Fiesta Bowl last year. But it's also going to be completely different because you've got completely different personnel in a lot of cases out there.
2: Yeah, having two strong running backs is really going to be something that Notre Dame has to play off of this year in both the run game and the pass game. And we've seen that before in Tommy Reese's offenses. You know, when they have two running backs, he likes to wheel his running backs down the sideline and get one-on-one matchups with linebackers because it's a favorable matchup, especially at the college level. Uh, You know, you have – anytime you can get a running back one-on-one with a linebacker in space, that's – I mean, and and you have the speed – and the catching ability that Tyree does, that's a big, big mm-hmm. mismatch that they need to try to exploit in a game like Ohio State. You got to do everything possible to get, you know, get those extra yards, pick up that first down just to keep the chain moving, keep the clock rolling. So they got to do things to get innovative with their personnel to kind of maybe negate some of maybe, you know, the, the skill that Ohio State has.
1: last question for you tonight 22 personnel not what I would call a common personnel grouping but again, I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna be surprised if we see that at some point. what are some possibilities in that grouping and the mismatches that could cause
2: you know that's that's a lot like um, 12 personnel but on steroids you're gonna see <laughs> you know you got you got two backs in there at that point you got two tight ends at there at that point. I mean, that is screaming, you know, power, run, physical football. And if you have, you know, two, two, uh, I guess you could say two tight ends that can catch the ball effectively. The thing I like to think of is you remember when the Patriots had Rob Gronkowski and uh, Martellus Bennett there for a little bit. That's like the optimal 22 personnel. When you have two big tight ends that can catch the ball well, two tight ends that can also block. I mean, yeah, neither of those guys were great, you know, exceptionally great blockers. Uh, but you you use that personnel when you feel like you can really take advantage of the linebackers. That's something maybe you saw in the first quarter. Um, you're like, Hey, you know, these linebackers aren't moving well, or they're not, they're not reading running past pass very well. How can we exploit that? Okay. Let's put our two big bodies out there and get them in space. Cause it, it's going to be a nightmare matchup for any, any linebackers. And then you throw in, you know, two, two running backs and estimate um, and, and digs and that that provides even more of a a mismatch so I think 22 personnel is a little outdated you don't really see it a lot especially in the NFL Um, but it it does have its advantages when you're trying to play physical football and you have tight ends who have the the catching ability uh, at at the same time so I think that also you know from a linebacker perspective again you're going to be in the box uh and really tight out there so that that frees up kind of your wide receivers on the edge to really work you know in space against the corners and and safeties because the linebackers have so much responsibility in the box with the two running backs in the run game and the two tight ends in the pass game so that really opens things up on the outside if that's the route you want to go and you can really work some good play action concepts with getting your tight ends and wide receivers in some favorable kind of one-on-one matchups excellent excellent
1: stuff tonight (laughs) you earned your keep you had me on a roll there (laughs) I know you were going you were going all right really really great stuff and some things to think about you'll you'll be want to re you'll you'll be researching not you Jesse but our listeners will be researching this podcast as uh you know as they think about those different personnel (laughs) groupings and again like I've got a, you know, Vince and I are going to have to come up with a battle plan, like how we're going to track, you know, these, these different, what the personnel looks like out there on any given play. So I think that's the
2: most kind of fun part to do is, you know, we could do this pre kind of thing. And then the post kind of seeing what comes from those personnels, because it's so hard because we can only speculate what their concepts are going to look like right now, because you've only seen two practices. They're not going to show a lot in those practices, obviously. And so when they really open up the playbook and start going to these different personnel packages, you can really kind of get some tendencies of what they're trying to accomplish uh, in certain personnel packages. So I would be on board with helping you guys out, looking at different personnel's. All right, maybe maybe one of us tracks the 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 twenty one, and one tracks the twelve, and you know just being able to see we have different personnel's and we just track you know what's going on in those different. Person, you know, personnel settings and then the tendencies that come off of those. What is Tommy Reese trying to do concept wise in those different personnels?
1: Sounds good to me. We will uh, be looking forward to it again. We've got nine days, but it's going to be coming very soon. Just we'll great stuff. Yeah, that's right. Great <laughs> stuff. As always, I know you've got to get going, so enjoyed it as always. And uh, I will talk to you again soon.
2: Sounds good. Thanks for having me.
1: Don't forget, we've got the new IB countdown to kickoff show coming up this Saturday morning we'll be doing it every Saturday morning 10 a.m. live on YouTube and of course it'll be up on the podcast platforms afterwards as well so we've got that coming up Vince and I will be with you to start the show Brian Driscoll will be jumping in over the course of the show as well and um, so we'll be looking forward to that we'll be kicking it off a little season preview show coming up this Saturday morning at 10 o'clock We will talk to you next week. Thanks for jumping in with us tonight. Ivy Nation Sports Talk.
4: everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in